You've been mellowed by love, Roger said. Where is the sexy bastard, by the way? Although Roger hadn't yet met Brad Nelson, he automatically knew the young man would be sexy. Terrence Flagg wasn't the type who would have chucked his livelihood as a freelance gray area agent for a New York City executive office and some just ordinary lover. Unfortunately, he's been held over in Rome, Terrence said with obvious regret. One, that Brad wasn't near. Two, that Brad wasn't going to meet Roger after all. Sure you're not keeping him in the wings for fear I'll move in and steal him, and all these plush surroundings right out from under you? Roger asked with a teasing smile, taking another swallow of his scotch. The liquor burned all the way down. If I thought for one minute you weren't as straight as a stick, damned right I'd keep him away from you and vice versa, Terrence said. I certainly couldn't risk him with someone as studly as you, if you were gay in the bargain. Roger laughed, as usual finding it strange that he had somehow managed to strike up such a lasting friendship with a man who was gay and had never made any bones about it from the very first day they had found themselves on the same assignment. Maybe it had all somehow happened because Roger had taken so long, really, to believe that Terrence was gay. Oh, the guy certainly had the good looks that might have made him suspect, but he seemed to have been in the wrong business at the time for a homosexual. Faggots, as far as Roger had always suspected, then, wouldn't willingly be involved in the kind of rough and tumble games in which Roger and his cohorts were involved. Roger had, of course, since been forced to discard that particular misconception and archaic prejudice. If I can't have you then, I don't want any other man to have you either, Terrence said, going to sit behind his large desk. He looked the epitome of an Ivy League graduate who had made it to the top of the corporate ladder through friends of his family. In fact, Terrence's father had been well-placed within the business community and had sent Terrence to Princeton. Terrence's father had died of a heart attack, though, brought on by a business crisis, and Terrence had decided he didn't want to follow in his father's corporate footsteps. It was ironic, therefore, that he had, shortly thereafter, allowed himself to be drawn into a profession that would give its participants even more heart attacks, if they only lived long enough to have them. Actually, Roger was happier than hell that Terence was getting out of the gray area, not only because he could be happy that his friend had found love, but because Roger and Terence were still friends, and this way could stay that way. The freelance espionage game wasn't one that spawned too many lasting relationships, especially for independent gray area operators and their constant flux from one side to the other, that so often saw potential friends suddenly on opposite sides. By some remarkable stroke of good fortune, Roger and Terence had never been forced to come up against each other, and now they never would. That gave Roger a good deal of inner satisfaction. Now, if Roger's only other friend in the gray area's freelance community, Evan Callan, would just find himself some nice, safe niche out of the action, Roger would be completely content with his life as he was living it. The desk buzzer buzzed. It was Terence's secretary who said a Mr. Gramlin was calling on line one. Terence looked at Roger, shrugging an expression that indicated he hadn't the foggiest notion who Mr. Gramlin might be. He told his secretary to tell Mr. Gramlin to try again later. Say I'm in conference or something, he instructed. He sat back in his chair and went on with the small talk and light banter, he and Roger reminiscing about old times. They had a supper date for later, Terence having offered Roger the use of his nearby suite to freshen up. Roger could have gone on ahead, but since Terence's workday was almost complete, he decided to hang around.
I'm expecting just one final call, Terrence had explained, glancing at his wristwatch. As soon as it comes through, I'll chuck everything else. Obviously, the call you were expecting wasn't from Mr. Gramlin, Roger said. His glass was empty, and he got up walking to the wet bar. While you're at it, uh, do me the pleasure of filling this pretty near its rim, will you? Terrence said, tossing Roger his glass. Remarkably, the crystal arrived at Roger's end of the toss with its ice cubes still inside. When Roger brought Terrence the requested refill, Terrence's face was screwed up in contemplative thought.